Hello, you gorgeous beings. My name is Felicia Malay, and this is Fierce Gentle, the Courageous Voice podcast, where we reclaim voice, courage, and power through conversations and poetry. I want to acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Wandry people of the Kulin Nation, that this is and always will be Aboriginal land. In the past, they burned us because they thought we were witches. Just because we knew what to do with herbs outside of the kitchen, because we knew how to dance, how to seduce, how to pray, because we moved with the cycles of the moon. I wrote that line four years ago this week. I was driving through the northern suburbs of Melbourne in my car and I was on my way to meet a dear friend for a cup of chai. And this feeling was in me, this huge feeling was in me. And as I was driving this word, this line came in, they, in the past, they burned us because they thought we were witches. And as I repeated it, more and more words started pouring into my head as I was driving this car. And I had this moment where I was memorizing each line as it came in one after another. And each time a new line came in, I had to go back to the beginning and remember the first line, the second line, the third line, the fourth line, ready for the next line to come in. And it got to a point where I was like, I don't think this is a whole poem. I don't think I can contain this. <laughs> I don't think this is something that I can, I can hold in my head instantly. And it came with this, this fire in my heart this pounding, like like palpitations in my heart as it was coming in, like this is important. And I was I was left with this this <laughs> this moment of going, well, I don't know what to do. I'm driving. I can't. I I, I don't have access to a, a voice recording notepad right now or anything. And I remembered a po- uh, a po- not a podcast, but a, a TEDx that I saw by um, Elizabeth Gilbert where she was talking about, it was either Tom Waits or it was Leonard Cohen or someone like that, talked about how poetry and art is like this, that it's like how you kind of have to catch it as it flies at you or otherwise it will fly past and and it will hit someone else. And if you miss it, it's fine because somebody else will catch it. But if you want to get it, you have to catch it as it comes in because it's not going to wait around for you. And that was the feeling that I got. Um, and then she talked about how whoever it was, I should really find out who it was, but they, 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 they were driving like me. They were doing something like driving and this song started pouring into them and they, they, they wanted it. They, they knew that this song was for them, but they just didn't have the capacity to write it down in that moment. So what they did was they called out to, you know, the universe, the bigness, the oneness, and they said if you really want me to have this song, you're going to wait. This is an inappropriate moment. This is an inappropriate moment to give me this song. So you're going to wait. <laughs> and um, and they did. The song waited and then they got home and they sat down at whatever their instrument was and started recording it and, and, and they got it. And I was there on the road with this poem pouring into me and I was like, you know what? I'll just try it. I'll just give it a go. Can't hurt. So I did. I called, I said out loud, 
in my car, driving along Bell Street, I said, you know what, this is an inappropriate time to give me this poem. If you really want me to have this poem, you are going to wait. You're going to wait until an appropriate moment. I felt like I was like, you know, like saying a stern word to my, uh, <laughs> to my child or something. And I capped it in that moment. I parked my car, I got my Evernote app out and I wrote down what I had and I went and I, and I went on and I went to meet my friend for lunch for our chai. So there I was having chai and I actually told, my friend's name is Tathra, Tathra Street, highly recommend looking her up. She's a really inspiring and amazing kind of coach and friend and human. And um, I told her about the poem, I read out the bit that I had, which was only like four or five lines. And then we sat and we had our chai and then I went to the toilet. And if anyone out here is an artist, you'll know that the toilet seems to be the place that is connected directly to the, the great uh, artist in the sky. <laughs> Poetry just started pouring back in on me. And I was like, okay, okay, hang on. And I had my phone in my hand because I was on the toilet. That's what we do. And I wrote down my notes in my notes, this bit of poem. And again, I said, no, you need to stop. I still have half a chai left and I have to get home. So you're going to stop and you're going to wait. So I got up, I went back out, finished my chai with my friend, got in my car and started driving home. This was over the space of about maybe two hours. And I'm driving home and it feels like the dam is breaking. It's like this, this rush of poetry and words and fire and, and, and a story that needed to be told was pushing up against me. And as I pulled into my driveway, the dam broke and I couldn't hold it back anymore and words were pouring in and I stopped my car and I jumped out and I ran into my house and I sat down on my computer and I started, opened up that same Evernote, you know, on my computer and just started typing and typing and typing and typing and typing and it all just came out in one go, in one edit. I never went back and, and edited those words. Um, that's just how they were. And when the last word came out, that last no, came out of my fingers, I sat back and I felt like my body, every cell on my body was on fire. It felt like something potent had happened and I needed to share it. I needed, it couldn't stay quiet. I didn't quite know how far it was going to get shared at this point, but I just knew that it needed to be shared. So I rang a friend of mine um, who had recently moved to Tasmania, Fenella, who is also another poet, and I read it to her. She was, I, I kind of called her and she said, look, I'm on a bus, I can't talk, but you can talk to me and I will just listen. Um, so I read the poem to her minutes after, seconds after finishing writing it, and she listened and then she said, can you read it to me again? And so I read it to her again. And then she said, thank you. And I said, thank you. And I hung up. And that was it. That was the extent of our conversation. And instantly, I still felt like I needed to share it. So I opened up Facebook and I went onto Facebook Live. And I just, I was shaking. And I did it. I just read it straight from Evernote onto Facebook Live. And that live video from my private profile, not from my page, and I didn't really have any 
like I wasn't at a place where I had lots of followers necessarily at that point. I had people who liked my poetry and listened to my poetry, but I didn't have followers in the way that I have now. Um, and I read this poem and it went wild, it like wildfire. And that, to me, you know, in that moment I had no idea. I just knew that this was something that was important for me to say and that somebody else out there might find it important to hear. And they did. And if that was only two people, even if that had just been Fenella that needed and Tathra that needed to hear it, that in itself would have been worth it for me. The fact that it lit a fire in the hearts of millions of people was such a humbling experience for me. And that was actually a different recording of it that went that went viral. But um, what I found really, really interesting about witches is that tangible feeling, that potency, that tangible feeling that I had that told me that I needed to write this poem, that made it fly in in that way so tangibly, was that three days later maybe, or maybe that a week later, um, the Me Too hashtag, Tarana Burke's hashtag Me Too, went viral. And although it had been around since 2016, it was, it was about a week later that it went viral. And for me, that same energy that drove millions of women to write the hashtag Me Too and to tell their story was the same energy in me that made me write that poem. Even though I didn't share anything about my own particular story, it was the same raging fire of enough is enough that was that was roaring within me that meant that I had to write it. And I actually, when the Me Too um, kind of the virality of Me Too went off, I didn't write a Me Too post. I actually had to switch off. I switched off from all social media because I actually was too. It was too real. <laughs> it was too much and too real for me. Um, the poem, you know, I think what is so potent about the poem is it doesn't tell anyone's story, but it tells everyone's story at the same time. It's not me talking about my personal experience, but it is. And it's not any other women or me telling any other people's story, but it also is. And um, I feel like that's one of the reasons why when I released it uh, the next year, a few months later in March 2018, that it hit so many people so deeply because it walked that fine line between non-specific and yet deeply uh, relatable. Um, as a writer, <laughs> I just write what's real to me. And normally that involves a lot of kind of emotional, a lot of emotional poetry, uh, a lot of my own stories. And every now and then something comes through that's just like, no, I need to, I need to say this. And I didn't expect the impact that it had. I didn't expect to be, to receive messages from those first few days after it was released through Uplift Connect, I didn't expect to receive 10, 20, 100, hundreds, 
hundreds of messages from women thanking me, saying that, that I had put to words something that they had wanted to be able to say but hadn't known how to say. And that is, like, that's magic. When we talk about the power of words, when we talk about the magic of words, that's it right there. When, when one person can say something that literally changes the emotional body and the, the feelings and the emotions of another human, that, that's magic. I really believe that when we speak our words, we are, we're casting spells that we are changing matter and changing world around us as we speak. And seeing that ripple out in that way is one of the most humbling experiences as a, uh, as a writer and as an artist. I was, walking, <laughs> I was walking to the cafe a few hours ago with my partner and we were singing... Um, Nothing Compares to You by Sinead O'Connor. And I just love that song. I love that song. And because it's just, it was just powerful to me as a kid, seeing this, you know, head-shaved woman deep in her vulnerability without shame on this video. Uh, and I said to him, how amazing would it be to have a piece of art that, 30 years after you've released it, people are still listening to it and loving it. And every now and then, I know this hasn't been 30 years, it's been four years now, but still I get messages from people saying that they listen to it every day. And I just, it's so humbling. It's so humbling to have that feeling. I didn't really write down anything that I particularly wanted to say about witches in this episode. Um... I'm going to take this moment to just acknowledge my beautiful patrons who are actually here live on uh, watching me on Zoom. So hello, Crystal and Rod, who are on at the moment. Hello, hello. You're getting a shout out on the podcast too. Um, and I am currently, Crystal's currently painting, which is great to see. So I have the poem here in my book, uh, Virago. And um, what I thought I might do is just have a little look through it and just see what kind of comes up about what, about what I talked about, because there's a lot of imagery in there that I think that is very real and potent to me, and it maybe brings other people images, but maybe it doesn't bring the same images as what it did to me. <laughs> there's one of, some of my favourite lines. Let's go through some of my favourite lines of witches and why they are my favourite. Um, I love in the opening, because we knew how to dance, how to seduce, how to pray. Because to me, there's something that I do with my body when I read that bit out, where it is like the seduction and the prayer and the dance, they're all one and the same thing. And it makes me feel really juicy when I say it. Uh, feel free to grab your copy of Witches if you have one and read that out to yourself and just like touch yourself as you say it and just feel that, um, that beautiful line between dance and seduction and prayer that exists. Uh, no matter what it is that you, you know, pray to. For me, I just, I pray to poetry, I think. Um, and there's this line here as well that goes, so now we cast spells with our mouths, pieces of our hearts spill out. And that line actually is deeply inspired by um, a line from Disraeli, who's a, a UK poet, 
and he has a, a, a line, he's a rapper and a rapper and poet, and he has a line where he just says something about his mouth, about our mouthpieces. And as I was reading this, writing this down, the mouth and pieces are kind of the one thing. So now we cast our spells with our mouthpieces and then it leads into pieces of our heart spill out. And um, it's so subtle that I don't think anyone, anyone would get it in there, but it's kind of a little bit of a homage to Disraeli and the beautiful poetry that he creates and um, and just how much I love the feeling of that coming out of my mouth. <laughs> um, there is this moment, the first time when I perform it and I say the word no on there. It is incredible. The power of a woman who is not afraid to say no. And then I list off some of the things that we're not afraid to say no to. And that no, that no is a really, and I talk about it later in the poem, for me it's a really, there's a, there's a way of saying no that I believe can change. Again, it's a spell. It changes the world around us. It um, is something which can ripple out. And when we speak, we can speak from many different places. And we talk about this in Rise, that there are the different positions that we speak from. And when we say no from that centre position, when we really ground ourselves in our truth and we speak our truth from our centre and we say no, there is no moving us. There's no changing. There's no making us feel so bad about it that we're going to change our minds. There's no brushing it aside and pretending that we didn't say it. There's no pretending that the no means yes. Because when we say it from that place, from that absolute grounded place of this is an absolute boundary for me and I will not stand for it anymore. When we speak from that place, people have to hear it. They can't not. And they can try. But even if they try to sway us, we are so grounded in our truth, in our no, that it doesn't matter what they do. We know. We know what our truth is. And later on in the poem when I say, I'm almost impressed because they've, hang on, let me find the exact, let me find the exact wording for you because otherwise I might misquote myself. Um, and I say, you see, words, they carry meaning. And they have fooled us for so long into believing that no means yes. So much so that I'm almost impressed, except I've finally discovered they are right. And what I mean by that is that there is this discord, this conversation that came up through the Me Too movement, actually, um, where it was talked about how often we say no and it's treated like it's a yes. How we see that, we see that in the Disney movies. You know, the, the Disney princess says no to the prince over and over again, but he wins her heart and eventually she realises she was wrong and he was the perfect man for her, you know. And it's such an ingraining, and not just in Disney, it happens in so many, especially older older movies. And when I say older, I mean, like, from when I was a kid. But I'm not, I'm 35, that's not that old. It's not that old. <laughs> um, and it's like... It's it's so recent that this was a very common dialogue and it's probably still happening. I'm just not seeing a lot of the newer stuff that it's in, but this dialogue that we as women say no to kind of to kind of be convinced of a yes because what we, what we want to be convinced that our no is a yes and it's bullshit. It's absolute bullshit. Um, 
if someone says no to you, you respect it, straight up. And if you find yourself wanting to say yes, but saying no because you like the feeling of being chased, that's okay, but tell them that. Say, I'm saying no, but, I also, but I'm saying no because I want to be chased. So you chase me because I want that, thr- that thrill. You know? <laughs> don't, because when we don't do that, we continue this story that no means yes. We continue this, this belief that the grey area of attraction is, um, is healthy and it's not. It's not healthy to me. I don't believe it is. That grey area where we're like, oh, will she, won't she, will she, won't she. It's beautiful. It's exciting. It's arousing. Like, I love it. But when it's done without any container of consent, it's so dangerous. There have been so many times that I have seen myself and seen others put their boundaries aside because that grey area is so alluring and then our boundaries are crossed partly because we never laid them down as boundaries because we we didn't want to lose that 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 you know that gray area and partly because we people have been taught you know people have been taught to cross boundaries because they've been taught that no means yes so what do i mean in my poem when i say i've actually discovered that they're right no does mean yes because a real no when i say a real no to the world around me that is the deepest yes that I can say to myself. And I spent so much of my youth growing up afraid of saying no and feeling like the word no was a bad thing to say, that I should say yes, that I should be accommodating, that I should be, be a good girl, be kind, be, you know, be, be accommodating to other people's desires and wants to the point of putting my own needs to the side. And when I realised that saying no was actually to to something that I didn't want in the world around me was actually saying yes to the thing, the person that matters most in my life, which is me. And that that came above, that comes above anything else. And I think that was easy for me because I had this already connotation that saying yes was a good thing, so I should be saying yes. (laughs) So I just translated that to myself. When I say no to the world, I am saying yes to that person that means the most to me, which is myself. Um, And I was always afraid that that line would get a bit lost, that people wouldn't quite get it. Uh, But I think people did, which is good. Uh, And if you didn't, there we go, I've just explained it. what I lo- what, another thing that I've really loved about witches is the amount of people that dance to witches. That didn't occur to me. Like, there's been a lot of things with this poem that happened that didn't occur to me would happen. One of them was that so many people who identified as a witch spiritually would be drawn towards me. When I wrote it, it wasn't my spiritual self necessarily that was writing. Obviously, she's in there. I talk about it, the prayer, the seduction, the sensuality. But... um was really coming I thought from my feminist mindset of like fucking hex the patriarchy this is bullshit let's take back our bodies take back our sexuality take back our voices take back our truth and um for me that you know the concept of the word witch cannot exist without feminism going hand in hand with it because it was used as a word and still is used as a word to to persecute women um so when I got this like rush of people who identified as Wiccans, as pagans, as witches, um, who 
had a love of the occult or had a connection with earth spirituality and the term which resonated with them, I was actually genuinely surprised, even though that is also myself on some level, not all of those things. I don't identify as Wiccan, but I identify definitely with my earth-based spirituality and very much feel this potency of connection with, with spirit and earth and the power of connecting with what I relate to magic in the world around me is poetry, the poetry of world around me. But I, I was, it's so funny when, when we write things and we don't see the full picture when we write it, it, especially something like this that kind of just comes through you, through you, you know, it's just coming through and I just, I'm writing the words and I see the words in front of me. The other powerful thing that I didn't know would happen, I didn't realise would happen, um, was, hang on, I just said it a minute ago and I've forgotten what it was I was going to say. <laughs> I'm such a double Gemini. I go everywhere. Um, no, I've forgotten. <laughs> I've forgotten what it was. <laughs> um, the... Hang on, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop and I'm gonna rewind and have a listen to what I said and then come back one second. Okay, I'm back. I remember. <laughs> it was the amount of people that dance to this poem. Um I have had so many requests from people who do different forms of erotic um and fusion dances who want to dance to this poem. And I say absolutely yes. Absolutely, yes. If this poem drives you to move your body and to reclaim your your body and your sensuality, please do that. And I love it when people send me the videos and they send me the programs of the performances that they've done and they send me um, photos and things like that. Please go for it. My only request is that I am credited and tagged. Um, so credited in any material that goes out there and... Um, and in the live show as the as the poet, but also just tag me if you do put things on the internet. But other than that, it really is such a an honour to see my words used in a way that is supporting your sensuality and your juiciness and your eroticism and stuff to just out into the world. Love that. Um, is there anything else that I want to say about this poem? Um, well, yeah, actually there is. It's fucking hell. Four years ago, four years ago I wrote this and it's still as relevant today as it was the day I wrote it. How is that? When I wrote the line about we're not going to sit down and wait for your permission to have our own rights around our, you know, whether or not we have children which is, you know, it's not, that was a paraphrase, that's not what I wrote, <laughs> but it's something along those lines. I actually thought that that, po that line was a little bit outdated as far as, you know, the, the society that I'm living in and the culture that I'm living in. And then all this fucking bullshit in Texas has come up this year and I'm, how are we back here? How are we still having these conversations, people? How is it that the Minister for Women is a man? in Australia? How is it that we are still fighting for our reproductive rights all over the world, all over the world? And I think, you know, it, it never was in that moment when I thought that it never was irrelevant because, you know, there are places in the world where abortion hasn't been legal and isn't legal. 
And it's actually just my privilege in that moment that I was like, oh, is that even relevant anymore? Because the society that I've been living in, it has been legal. And I have benefited from that. I've benefited from that privilege of being able to go to a doctor and to a healthcare worker and say, actually, you know, I need your support on this. And not finding myself fined or imprisoned or stoned or attacked or or demonised in, in any way, shape or form. So it astounds me that four years on from writing this poem, I still, every time I say it, it's still true. Every word of it is still true. Every line of it is still true. And it still, it still gives me full body goosebumps when I say it. That moment at the end, we are lighting our candles. We are, you know, we are lighting our matches, and and this we are lighting up the night together. And that every time we do this, we come together. And if we rise each other's voices up, and we listen to each other, and we support each other, and we celebrate each other, then shit will change. I believe that still. I believe that still. And I see it happening, and it's a fucking slow burn. It's a slow burn because there's a lot of bullshit we have to fight. There is a lot of active oppression. This isn't just like, oh, we've just decided that we're going to have our rights. No, that's what a patriarchal society is. We can't just decide that we have our rights because somebody is withholding rights from us. Somebody has decided to keep rights away from us. And that somebody is, you know, a patriarchal society, mostly run by straight white men. But I do believe that every time we choose to show up in our strength, that we choose to say no from that centred position, that we remember that our words are spells, and every time that we stand beside another woman, every time we celebrate another woman, that we light another woman up, that we raise her up, that the world changes a bit more, that our culture changes, that we change what it means to be a woman. I was brought up to believe that women compete and compare, that every other woman is competition to me, and it's bullshit. You're not. You're not. You are a fucking inspirational being just by existing, and I can choose, you know, maybe you're someone who annoys me, Maybe you're someone whose personality and my personality don't get on. That doesn't change the fact that in your essence, you're fucking incredible. And that's just truth. And I really believe that by acting, this act of reclaiming our voices, reclaiming our truth and celebrating each other as women and as femme people, we change that narrative. We change that narrative and we make a better world for ourselves and a better world for our children. There is another poem that's wanted to come out of me for a while that I, I still really haven't fully written, but it's been swirling in me and it's this idea that there was a time when if you spoke your truth, you risked being burnt alive. You risked getting strung up by people around you, other women, you know, you risked that. And now I believe that staying quiet risks us burning from the inside out. 
I see it happening. Women being burnt out by their shame, by their silence. And we can't have it anymore. So when a woman speaks up and you see her speak up, you celebrate her. And when a woman speaks up and you see her getting strung up and you see people trying to light fires underneath her, you walk up there and you undo those ropes and you tell her that she's fucking incredible. That's what changes it. I'm going to end this podcast in a minute. And I'm going to end it with by putting in a recording of witches. And I just want to say thank you to all of you who listen to this podcast. It is, um, it's a, a new journey for me. And thank you everyone who supports me. I just want to do a massive shout out to my patrons, everyone on Patreon who keeps me as an artist and this podcast going. And if you like this podcast and are not part of my Patreon community, please join me. Please join us. Uh, I give like early access to the podcast. And uh, today I'm doing a live stream with people who are watching right now and I'm going to do a little Q&A with them if they want to or a little chat with them afterwards. Um, So you get little cute things from me. And even if you don't support me, find a woman out there, if you can, and find a way to support her. Lift her up. Give her some love. Celebrate her. And if you want support with your voice and you want support with your truth, I do have ways of, of, of being involved in that. I do coaching and mentorship with voice work. I do private coaching and I have my online program, Rise, which is fucking incredible. And actually, Rod, who's watching live now, hi, Rod, in the, in the uh, Zoom call, is one of my, one of my Rise members. Uh, hi. Yeah, waving at you. <laughs> Um, yeah, and Rise is an incredible program where we work together to reclaim our voices. And every now and then, about three or four times a year, I go through it live with all of the participants and we go week by week. And that live round is about to start on the 20th of October. So if you're listening to this, you know, as it's come out, I'll put the link in the show notes. Please go check it out and sign up if you feel like you want to reclaim your voice and you need some support with that. Come join us because that's what we're here for. Beauties, thank you for listening and I hope that you have an incredible day. In the past, they burned us because they thought that we were witches. Because we knew what to do with herbs outside of the kitchen because we knew how to dance, how to seduce, how to pray. Because we moved with the cycles of the moon. In the past, they burned us alive because they knew that we are witches. So now we cast spells with our mouths, pieces of our hearts spill out. It is incredible. The power of a woman who is not afraid to say no. No, we won't sit any longer while you ponder on our rights and our rights to give or not give life and our rights to make another woman our wife and our rights to get paid an equal wage, to be safe, to have a voice in places where we might actually make a change. It is incredible the amount of ways they have slayed just to keep us small. 
If they could have, they probably would have burned us all, but they couldn't with fire, so they did it with words. Laid down laws to determine the amount of our worth. They kept us in contracts and separated our circles, erased us from pages and made labor-saving devices our saviors. It is incredible how quickly knowledge can fade, how much effort that they have invested just to lead us astray, but we will not come quietly. Well, that's another thing they've tried to take away. Our rights to exclaim our orgasms ecstatically, no, we will not come quietly. We will open our mouths, let our spells spill out and cast poetic prayers into the night so that every woman can hear the howl of her sister's delight reminding her that her voice deserves to be heard. Let her jewel drop, let her shame stop. Let her body scream under the self-pleasure of what it means to be a woman who can speak freely. You see, words carry meaning. And they have fooled us for so long into believing that no means yes. So much so that I'm almost impressed, except, well, I finally discovered that they were right. So I've claimed back that no as mine, because every no I throw against their forces is another yes I retain for my own self-worth. It's a spell I cast for my own protection. It is incredible. The power of a woman who is not afraid to say no. Because this old witch, undone with broomsticks and know your place. This witch knows that some knowledge just won't fade, that every woman is my sister. And through the hubble and the bubble and the toil and the trouble, we grow stronger when we cast our spells together. That we entered the fire, and now we rise from the ashes, and we are holding our candles and lighting our matches so that the night becomes lighter and our voices can grow because we have remembered that we are witches and we have learned to say no. You've been listening to Fierce, Gentle, The Courageous Voice podcast, hosted by myself, Felicity Malay, and music and editing done by Rory McDougall. If there's anything you've heard in this podcast that you like the idea of, check out the show notes below for links. And if you want to see this podcast continuing, please consider joining me over on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Fleecy. 